You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's start with this because the most relevant thing at the moment, just as we speak and record here now on Sunday night, is the elimination of the Philadelphia 76ers and what that might mean for James Harden's possibilities in free agency. Could he possibly come back to the Rockets? It's like the worst kept secret really to the point now to where it's not even a secret at all. Everybody knows about it. It's it's something that everybody talks about with his possible reunion with the Rockets looming large in free agency. First of all, let me get your reaction to how James Harden played in these playoffs and whether you think I don't know the answer to this, but whether you think that there's anything that happened in these playoffs that could impact one way or the other from either Harden's standpoint or the Rockets' standpoint, how things play out in free agency with James Harden and a possible Rockets reunion. Um, He was inconsistent, I guess would be the best way to put it for how he played during this postseason. Um, the lows were very low, and today was he was bad today. He was, he was really bad today. He was indecisive. He was ineffective. Uh, he, he was bad. But he also showed you within this same series that he can be elite still. And I, I know he was really bad today, but they don't get to today without James Harden in games one in game and game four. I mean, he basically won them two games. One of those games was, was without Joel Embiid, and the other was when he took over the fourth quarter in game four against in that series. So yeah, again, today was really bad, but the fact that he showed that he, he showed that he has a lot left in the tank and that he can still be an, a, an excellent player. And he showed you that all year long. So what he did over the course of an 82 game season, especially after he dealt with the foot injury, when he came back in December, he led the league in assists. He remains an elite playmaker. Now there are some aspects of his game that have certainly gotten worse. And there are some things that he'll need to clean up and improve over this next stretch as he gets towards the end of his career. But he is a guy that if you are looking to win basketball games, he is a guy that you want on your team. Yeah, I I just think it's such an interesting discussion because all of the arguments against the best arguments against it are more so emotional and tied to things that don't really have much to do with what's going on now with the Rockets, right? Like it, it's a lot of hey, well, I don't like the way that he left and a lot of that. I think the the most valid arguments against it are ones that you and I have discussed on this podcast and elsewhere as far as the contract, what's the what's the number of years? There, it, it seems almost impossible that he would get paid less than the max, but do we all agree or would it be – is he actually a max player, which – you know, is he a max player in name because he's James Harden or is he actually a max player right now as they sign the contract or as they would sign the contract? I think that's a legitimate discussion to have. But as far as like basketball, he provides 
a lot of the things, and you were just hitting on it, but he provides a lot of the things that the Rockets are lacking and could stand to benefit from. Like if if you remove the name and the history from James Harden, which you obviously cannot do, but if you did that and gave James Harden's player profile for what is it that the Rockets need to address either in free agency or the draft? Like, like, just what do they need to add to make their team better in terms of what they're lacking? They're obviously one of the worst teams in the NBA, so they could add a, stand to add a lot. But chief among them, I think, would be sh- shooting and playmaking. And he he provides both of those things at a close to elite level. What else would you say? Let me Let me, let me add one more thing to that. He adds somebody who knows what they're doing. And far too often, this team has had five guys on the floor, none of whom know what they're doing. Oh, so okay, let, me, let, me, let me let me do that, and I'll let you finish. Let me just let me complete that then. Shooting, here's the things that would improve significantly if the Rockets added James Harden. I'll let you finish. Their shooting, their shot creation, the quality of shots that they get, and their overall basketball intelligence. That's the point that I was trying to make. Their overall basketball intelligence would go up significantly, and I think that there is some value in that, especially right now when your most important players are as young as they are for the Rockets right now. And you look at it, too. It's not like he's taking minutes away from somebody else. Like, you look at point guard. All right, Kevin Porter Jr. probably moves to the bench. That's okay. I mean, I think that at this stage – you kind of have a good feel for what Kevin Porter Jr. is. He is probably not a high-level starting point guard in the NBA, but do you know what he could be? He could be an elite sixth man coming off your bench and running a second unit. He could be elite at that. So it takes away maybe some opportunities from Porter, but it puts him in a role where he is probably better suited. But you're taking away minutes from Dacian Nix and from Ty Ty Washington. I think I, I think you would probably say that the time has come for Dacia Nix to no longer be getting opportunities with this team. Ty Ty Washington is a young, you know, first round pick, but I don't think that anybody would say that he is a can't miss type of prospect. I don't think that anybody is going to say that Ty Ty Washington is a starting caliber point guard in the NBA. I don't think he's ever going to be that. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe I am selling him short. It's very possible, but off of what I've seen off of where he was, I mean, he was drafted 29th overall. It's not like the league thought that he was some hot prospect. He was the 29th pick in the draft. He doesn't have great size. You know, we, we know we've talked about his faults plenty uh, over the course of the season. So you're taking away some opportunities from him, but it's not like Harden's going to play 82 games either. So those opportunities will still be there uh, whenever he gets, you know, on, on the days where Harden doesn't play, but it gives everybody an opportunity to, to me, they we they need to be better. I mean, let's just let's just stay flat out. They have won 42 games over the last two years. That's not going to work anymore. You cannot do that anymore. You have to start adding real players to this roster, guys who know what they're doing. And you look at the list of guys who are going to be free agents this summer. James Harden is number one on that list. He so you have an opportunity to add the best free agent on the market who just led the NBA. He led the entire NBA in assists. Think about that. You have a chance to add somebody who was the best at one thing in the NBA this season, add him to your roster without having to give up any sort of an asset. You don't get many opportunities to do that. So for me, and I'm taking a motion and all this stuff out, this is purely a basketball move. As for a purely basketball move, 
you have to do this because you have to be better next year and he makes you better. All right. So I feel like you just made pretty much the strongest argument that you can make for why they should do it. The, the reasons why the, the, the pros I should say in, in pursuing James Harden. So let's, let's break down the arguments against it real, real quick and, and offer up some responses, some rebuttals to these things since they're out there. All right. You yeah. know, to just to address the other side of the argument. All right. Number one, and I'll I'll deal with them in terms of validity and go all the way down. Let's let, let let's start at the top. The contract, okay. What do you say to the argument? Let's say, and I hate to be straw man here, but what do you say to the argument that, or the idea at least, that James Harden is not coming here for less than the max? What is the is is there a proper number to where you're? you know, entertaining this James Harden idea or possibly backing out? Like, is there is there a number that's too much, I guess, is the shorter way to ask it. There is not, for me, a per-year dollar figure that I'm backing out. The years are where it gets tricky. And so if Harden comes to you and says, I want two years, I want the two-year max, fine, sign me up. Go ahead and, and write out the contract. Sign, you know, sign, schedule the press conference. It's an easy decision. If he comes to you and he says, I want the four-year max, then that's where we got to have a think. That's where you have to really talk about it. But on the other hand, where is he getting that contract from? Where is he getting the four-year max from? There are teams out there with cap space, but who's going there? Who is going there with 34-year-old James Hart? Like somebody like Detroit. Detroit doesn't really need a point guard. You know, that's not a position of need for that team because they have Cade Cunningham, because they have Jaden Ivey. So they're set there. You know, there are other, you know, San Antonio. Is James Harden going to go to San Antonio? No, he's not going to San Antonio. So go ahead and cross that off. You can cross Detroit off the list too. I'm sorry. Yeah, for sure. So so basically it comes down to, is Philly willing to give him the four-year max? Now, from a Sixer standpoint, you kind of have to. Well, I shouldn't say you have to, but... If you lose Harden, you're losing him for nothing. And there is no way to replace him. That's where the NBA is difficult for these teams and where sometimes you're stuck having to overpay guys because you can lose a player. Like, you know, the Sixers could lose James Harden, but they won't have any cap space. It's not like they're going to get this $38 million in cap space if they let him go because that's just not how the cap works. They're already well over the cap. So if they lose him, they essentially lose him for nothing. It, you just saw this with Dallas where Dallas chose not to pay Jalen Brunson. They, or I shouldn't say they wanted to. He didn't take their money. They lost him for nothing. They had no way to really replace him. So that's why if you're Philly, you are in a sense backed into a corner where you you might feel like you have no choice but to give him the four years. If Philly is willing to give him the four years, if I'm the Rockets, I really have to think twice about that. And I don't know if I would do it. But if he's willing to take the two, I would do the two. Yeah. So I'm right where I'm right there with you with the two. This is the whole thing that baffles me about all of it, Adam. Honestly, man, it's the the idea that the Sixers would not double down on James Harden after what he produced for them this year. And the idea that James Harden would not double down on the Sixers after as close as they were able to get to. And I understand we're, we're right here on the heels of disappointment. They had a lead in the series, probably should have won. It had a very, let's just, let's just be honest about it, man. It had a very like disappointing end to this season, man. Like the game that they should have won in game six. Uh, and like the way that they ended that game, lifeless. 
and, and gutless it felt like. And then just the, the second half of game seven, like they, they had a real opportunity there to obviously be in the Eastern Conference Finals. And like I, I think it's a, a a huge disappointment just in the way that they played. Not in losing to the Boston Celtics, mind you. Like the, the Celtics are who they are, but like just the way that they played at the end, I think is really disappointing. But I wouldn't lose sight of if I'm Philly. I wouldn't lose sight of the value that James Harden brought overall. That that's that is what you talk about removing emotion from this discussion. That's what's so amazing about it for me. Observing it, man, like right, you got so many Rockets fans that are like, "Nah, never James Harden again," because of you know how how the, we understand how things ended. But then even over in Philly, with the success that they had this year, and I get that they're disappointed with how it ended. You. I hear a lot of people like, yeah, take them, take James Harden back. And I'm like, how does, how do, how are there people in Philly and in Houston who do not want this guy who clearly makes either of their teams better, raises the ceiling of either team The the Philadelphia 76ers are not in the semifinals with a chance to go to the conference finals without James Harden. A couple of games that they won was because of the brilliance of James Harden. And I get that he didn't show up in some of the games that they lost. And then obviously the Rockets ain't been worth a damn since he left. So, and, and are somewhat thirsty to bring him back to make him relevant again, like the actual organization itself. So like, it's just a, a fascinating place to be with a guy like this who brings so much value to a team and the discussion being so like, I don't know about this guy, you know, it's just a, it's just a weird thing, but, but at least the, the discussion about the money is relevant because of where he is in you know, in terms of age and how different his game is from the time where he last, I guess, signed a, a a max contract or was last considered to be a max player. And let's not forget, he wasn't the best player on the Sixers this year. That was Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid missed two playoff games, and the Sixers won them both. Why do you think they won those two playoff games without Joel Embiid? It's because of James Harden, and that's how good he still is. And against that, that, that Boston team is so good. And I think that that gets lost on people a little bit, just how good that they have been the last two years. They were in the finals last year. They probably should have won the finals last year. Uh, I, I think a lot of people felt like they were the best team in the East. They kind of had a slide uh, at, at one point during the season, and it was a, a weird year for them. But that's a great team on both ends of the floor. He put up 40-plus against them twice in a playoff series. He won them two games in a playoff series. That's how good he actually was. They won 50-plus games. He wasn't healthy at the start of the year. He got better as the season went along. And, yeah, he, he was really bad. You know, the four, you know, he had the three, he had the two amazing games in this series. Uh, he had one if he game, you know, he was okay in game five. And then he had some clunkers. He had some, he had four clunkers in this series. And they were absolute clunkers, especially when they needed him. But you can't, you have to get to this stage in order to lose in this stage, you know? Like if, if you're not good enough to get to this stage, then what's the point? And so for, for Philly, yeah, you would like to have seen him play better, but you also are glad that you got to that round to begin with. And also it's not like he's the best player and it's not like he's the only, the only star on that team who completely flamed out today. You know, the MVP of the league was really bad also. So maybe he's point some fingers over in that direction as well. So for me, for, for Philly, and this is a Daryl Morey decision, and this is an ownership thing too because it's going to be a lot of money that they would have to offer up. So to me, for Philly, it's a no-brainer. They have to do everything they can to bring him back. The question for, for Harden, and I don't know what his motivation is. I, I don't know if he just – if maybe he doesn't like Philly. Maybe he doesn't like living up there. Maybe he doesn't like the cold. Maybe he doesn't like the Northeast. You know, 
He wouldn't be the first one. Maybe he just wants to come back here. I, I don't I don't know the answer to that. But for Philly, I, for both teams, to me, it's a no-brainer that you have to try and get him. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Did did you see how he answered that question after the after the game? I guess it's in the locker room, and they're doing you know the scrums that we do, and they ask him about his relationship. Somebody asked him about his relationship with Doc, and, and we know how how Harden can be kind of monotone and and emotionless in his answers and and it you probably shouldn't read too much into that because that's he's pretty consistent with that but he's like our relationship is fine yeah and again i'm not there we know that a lot of times moments from press conferences and and media scrums get clipped and they can lack some context if you're not there you, you know you don't necessarily understand it fully but it was like it gave the vibes of it was really kind of when I got the wheels in motion of, okay, this could actually happen because it doesn't feel like, you know, and not that James Harden is going to be lovey-dovey and mushy and emotional or anything, but it does not feel like based off of that answer, you know, like he could have given more for that answer, you know, and, and based off of that answer, it didn't feel like there's a, a, a tie there. I don't know if you saw that or, or read anything into how he was post-game. I only saw the quote. I haven't actually seen the clip, but I, I don't think Doc is coming back. From everything yeah, I've sure. heard, from everything I've heard, Doc is done. So I don't even think that 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 part of it matters. I think if anything, the relationship with Daryl Morey might matter more than anything else at this point. And I, I think Josh Harris is still the owner, right? He didn't have to yeah, give up yeah. his, he didn't have to give up his yeah. part of the team when he bought the Commanders. You know, he owns the, he owns them, he owns the Flyers, and he owns the Commanders. So he uh, so Josh Harris has a really good relationship with James Harden as well. So the relationships will probably matter in this thing more than anything else. And I don't, I don't think that James Harden has been like a big fan of anyone who's coached him aside from Mike D'Antoni, because as he said, and he joked, he, you know, I remember uh, Kim Davis asked him this at media day in 2019, like, what, what is it about Mike D'Antoni that you like so much? And his answer was, he lets me do whatever I want. And he was joking, but it was one of those things where he was joking, but he wasn't joking. And when, when James jokes, he's not really joking. So that was, you know, remember we, he did the thing about the, the, the vaccination with Kyrie He's like, I'll give him the shot myself if I have to. Yes. Yes. He, he was so serious. He, he was so serious. No, he was but dead. Yes, serious. It's one of those things where when he tells a joke, it's kind of a joke, but at the same time, it's kind of being very serious also, and he means it. So, so I don't think that Doc's going to be the head coach. I, somebody did float that, hey, what if Mike D'Antoni winds up in, in Philly? It, it's very possible that you could see a reunion there. So I, I think it becomes one of the more interesting it, – it obviously, from our standpoint, and you can even say the league, the James Harden, this, this is going to be the most interesting part of the offseason. Because I, I know he was a free agent last year, but there was nobody out there that could really sign him. He was coming off of, of a postseason where he was hurt. You know, things around him weren't great. They are much better now. But to me, this is going to be the most interesting story of the offseason. And it's good because it's in our backyard, so we get to talk about it. Yeah. So let's let's go back into, especially since we're talking about 
hardened quotes and his motivations and, and, and him not joking, but not joking. Let's dig into a, one more of these, like, uh, you know, one more of these cons, I guess, one more of these arguments against James Harden coming back, like the, the leadership argument. And we've discussed it on this podcast before, the connection that he has with Jalen Green and some of the younger players on the Rockets. But there is also this idea of, hey, you're bringing in a guy who's, you know, you, you say he's going to come in and, and help develop help with the development of these young players, but he hasn't shown this knack for leadership or stepping up in big moments. Like, honestly, like game seven that we're talking about here and some of his, you know, previous moments and past in the playoffs and all of that. Like, why why do you want to bring in a guy who is a proven underperformer in big moments to be the one that shows the young guys the way? I don't necessarily think that argument is entirely fair. I understand it. I don't think it's all the way thought through, but it's out there. What would be your response to it? I know you've heard it too. Uh, I think it's ridiculous. Just flat out. I think it's ridiculous. And you can go through, look at Nick Claxton from Brooklyn crediting James Harden for the way that he's, he developed. And that's not even somebody who plays his position, but he played with James Harden for not even a full season. I think that it may be a little bit more than a full season. And he credited James Harden for, for getting him better. And then he, what about Tyrese Maxey? Tyrese, uh, James Harden basically took minutes away from Tyrese Maxey. And Maxey said he blossomed when Harden arrived. So Tyrese Maxey has become a very good player in the NBA. And he credits his development to James Harden. So to sit there and say that, oh, he's he's not the type of guy that you want around your young guys. He's not going to make them better. There is no evidence to say that that's the case. And in fact, all the evidence says the contrary. All the evidence says that young players tend to get better when they play with James Harden. Is he maybe the best example to be around? I don't know. I'm not around the guy. But all I know is, all, all I can go by is what I see on the floor and what players tell you. And sometimes you have to listen to the players. And when a player tells you that my game blossomed because of James Harden, then sometimes you have to listen to that player. And so when Tyrese Maxey says that about Harden, who took his position and they're playing together, you know, all this stuff, then I'm going to listen to what Tyrese Maxey has to say. So to me, that's important. Yeah, I hear you. I, I think even more so, like even more than just listening to the player. And I, I think you would agree with this. I think you could just watch and, and see if what the player is saying lines up with what you see on the basketball court. Because I think you will run into a lot of times, not to play devil's advocate, but I think you will run into a lot of times guys will just say nice things about guys just to say nice things about That's guys. Very fair. And, That's very fair. And, and, and sometimes we get, and we, we're experienced in this, a lot of times we'll get empty quotes that don't really line up with what we're watching, what data we have, and it just doesn't make a lot of sense. But to your point, everything that Tyrese Maxey says or has said and that Nick Claxton has said about James Harden lines up about with what you have seen from them on the court and more than likely what a lot of the data would tell you about how their games improved and, and how they became better players with him being around them. So I, I think you should, if you're, you know, if you're thinking about James Harden leader pros and cons there I think you should think about that like being more so of like hey what did I actually see from these guys on the court as opposed from going back to earlier when we we're talking about the emotional side of the argument a lot of the anti-James Harden rhetoric comes down to these big moments which I think 
I think do deserve highlighting and scrutiny. Like it's all fair when you get down to the playoffs and you talk about how an all-time great performs in the big moments. James Harden deserves to be and should be held accountable for how he performs in moments like this as an all-time great player. Like you, you can't work around it. There's no way around the fact that he has come up short in a lot of moments. He's had some good moments, but he's come up short a lot of times in big moments. But that does not erase the fact that, to your earlier point, you've got to get here somehow. And he's one of those guys, Adam, I never forget this. And I don't know if you were there at, at, at the press conference when he like first got signed or when he was first traded for. But I, I remember I was watching. I, I wasn't covering the team yet. But I remember at one point him just mentioning or, or somebody was asking him about leading a team or something like that. And he was just his point was I'm one of he said that his quote was basically I'm one of those guys and he's talking about like the LeBron Jameses of the world and all of the like number one guys because he was going from being a supporting guy six man from Oklahoma City to being the main guy in Houston and his point was I am one of those guys and at the time I was like okay we'll see because I didn't know you know I hadn't he hadn't played enough you know to to have that role I was like okay we'll see and sure enough like from his first game. And from that moment forward, he was one of those guys. He's at a point now in his career where he is not exactly that guy, but that's not the guy that the Rockets would be signing or would be looking for. They're looking for a guy that fills a couple of very urgent needs for them in order to be competitive. The ones that I mentioned earlier about playmaking, helping them create better shots and, and get better shots and actual shot making because he can shoot and they don't have a whole bunch of guys that can shoot. And then the overall basketball intellect, which is something that cannot be understated or overstated, I should say, uh, because they're so young and they had a, a coach, a first time head coach and, um, and, and, you know, and somebody who struggled to sometimes get the attention of, of guys who were tired of losing. Like, like they, they need, some sort of, I think, reinvigoration that I think James Harden could provide, like aside from all of that other stuff that, or I should say narrative stuff that's that's tied to him. They would ask him to do a lot early. Like they will ask him at the beginning to be the guy. But then as their young guys start to get better, the responsibility for him will decrease. And so as he gets older, they will ask him to do less, which I which is what I think is important with this whole thing and they would kill to be in a position where their second best player could flame out in game seven of the conference semifinals they would kill for that right now they haven't played an important game in three years the last time they played an important game bill o'brien was coaching the texans that was like eight coaches ago that's how long it, it's been for them so they yeah. actually so so let me just bring up one other we were, hey we were, we were wearing masks yeah. the last time and, and i'll let you get back to your point not well, well, not in Texas, but no, the last time they were playing an important game, do you remember what the controversy was? James Harden showed up to the bubble in like a blue mask that people were like, is he, is he a cop? And yeah. it's like, what? He's just got a mask on. He has, and he is, he does not care about that at all. He has no idea what you're talking about, but anyway. But the, the, the one other con that, that I have seen get made, and this goes back now the last few months, he will stunt the growth of their young players, which do you know what do you know what stunts the growth of young players? 
it's putting them in a situation where they're going to lose 60 games. That's how you stunt the growth of young players. Guy, young players get better when they are put in a position where they have to win games. They are put in a position where they are playing games that actually matter. Jalen Green and Alperin Shingun have been in the NBA for two years. They have yet to play a game that matters. They have yet to play a game that has had any sort of intensity in it. That's how you stunt the growth of your young. I, I think probably the biggest game that Jalen Green and Alperin Shingun have played in their first two NBA seasons was the Rising Stars Challenge or whatever that thing is called. That's been it. That's been the most eyes that they have had on them in any game their first two seasons in the NBA. That's how young players don't improve. So if you put if you force young players into situations where they actually need to start winning games and they are playing crunch time night after night after night after night and they're not losing by 25 at halftime every single game, that's how you get those guys better. And adding a really good player to a very young team will help get those guys better. Maybe they'll take fewer shots. Maybe they'll maybe their minutes will decrease ever so slightly. But you know what? They're going to be in a situation where they are competing night in and night out, and that's how those guys get better. Yeah, I made this point on Twitter, Adam, that one of the most entertaining parts of the intellectual debate about this is that the Rockets, who could only dream of being a part of a conference semifinals, much less in the game seven with a chance to go to the finals, conference finals. The idea that they could thumb their nose at a player for underperforming in a conference semifinals, in a game that they themselves could never play in. They could never play as cons as currently constructed and certainly without said player, right? Uh, like they have it since that player left and or like I mentioned earlier, want him to come back to help them get to that place. Like the idea that they could thumb their nose and even the fan base could thumb their nose at a player like that. When you have not been that level of competitive or relevant in, you know, three years in a long time is fascinating to me and also goes to show how much of it is tied to like emotion and, and somewhat irrational, like not necessarily tied to logic and reason. They are 42 and 122 the last two years. They have played more national TV games in summer league, exponentially more national TV games in summer league than they have in the regular season. So they, they need to start winning basketball. And let's not forget their first round pick goes to Oklahoma city. So you can maybe go a different route in free agency and Hey, that's fine. But you could also lose 55 games and you're giving Oklahoma city what will probably be a top five to 10 pick. So if they're not a, a top 10 pick, if that's what you want to do, go on ahead. But that doesn't seem to be the best way of doing business for them moving forward. 